Okay, so this morning I'm going to talk about something that I talked about uh, on and off all through last year. Uh, because if we're going to take seriously that the purposes of us being saved is to know Jesus, we need to know how that works, don't we? And so this morning I'm actually going to talk about the secret place. Knowing Jesus in the secret place. And it struck me when we were... Uh, singing those verses this morning. One of them came up and it's uh, that verse, in, in Jesus all God's promises are yes and amen. And that's true. Everything that God promised, all his blessings, there's already a yes on. There's no no on any of those blessings. All those good things he has stored up for us. And yet we have trouble receiving the fullness of that, don't we? You know, we're not, we're not walking like the disciples walked. And we're not seeing that level of consistency they saw in receiving and relying on the promises of God. And sometimes, you know, I wonder why that is. And we, we wonder why that is. And, and, it, and it's been a pursuit of mine long before we ever started Faith Life. is to see more and more of the promises of God manifest in my life. And... And often we, we wonder why that is. And, and, it, and it's a complex thing. It's not a simple thing. It's not, you see, you can't just say, all God's promises are yes and amen, and therefore it should work for me. So I'll just keep repeating that and make it work for me. Because it doesn't. And there's, there's all sorts of reasons for that that you can discover in Scripture. Why, why wouldn't it just work? Why does it? Why is it that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't? And there's all sorts of things in Scripture that that, we, that come out of that. But one of them is that James says, well, I'll, I'll read it to you. But James says that um, one of the reasons we don't see what we want to see and we don't receive the promises is he says, you ask God for something, and yet you don't receive it. Because you ask with wrong motives. Out of selfishness or with an unrighteous agenda. So that when you get what you want, you can spend it on yourself. That's one reason God doesn't answer our prayers. And you think, well, why wouldn't God answer our prayers? Because he loves us. And that is a destructive lifestyle. And he wants us to have a healthy lifestyle. So he knows that if he answered a prayer that's for the wrong motives, he's actually just compounding the problem. He's not making it better in the long term. And so Jesus kind of talks about this when he talks about how we should live our lives and how we should pray in Matthew chapter 6. So I'm going to be talking Matthew chapter 6. But the second reason that we don't see as much of the, the, the promises being answered as we would want is that we lack power. You see, promises, a lot of them are reliant on a release of the power of God in order to answer them. And because we, we don't have that, that presence and anointing of the Holy Spirit on our life, we don't see 
the promise answered because there's no release of power. Even God worked that way in, in the Old Testament, right at the beginning, the first few verses, you see that the Holy Spirit is moving before God speaks. And Jesus himself talked about how he was involved in that as well. So you've got all the parts of the Godhead, but the Holy Spirit needs to be moving as God speaks in answer to the prayer, in answer to the promise. And that's why we, we end up with a powerless church. And, and we have a powerless, disintegrating church right at the moment in our nation. And the reason for that is that we don't know the Holy Spirit and there's no anointing of the Holy Spirit. So we substitute that with all sorts of things. And that's why it's important in, in what I call the, the year, 2023 year of reset back to Jesus and commitment to Jesus that we know him and we learn how to know him. So that's why I, I, I'm going to talk about what I'm talking about this morning. So let, let's say that. So just a kind of precursor. When you, what I'm talking about here is praying in the spirit. I'm not talking about praying in the flesh. Yeah. Praying in the flesh is something anybody can do. Yeah. Praying in the spirit is something that connects you to Jesus and connects you through the Holy Spirit so that you can receive what is his and it manifests in your life. So when you pray in his spirit, you build up the inner man. Okay, that's, that's, that's slightly complex, but basically, in you, the Holy Spirit is one with your spirit. So when you connect with the Holy Spirit, it, it kind of energizes, it releases something inside you and builds you up. And, and one of the benefits of building up that inner man is that we are better able to hear God, better able to hear his voice, and receive his word at a level that we couldn't do before we were praying in the Spirit. So our prayer lives need to shift from just going through the motions of prayer to a genuine connection through the Spirit with Jesus. Because it says that the Holy Spirit will take of what is Jesus's and show it to us. That's why when James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. And in asking, don't, you know, don't be double-minded, but believe. And so we, we want to we do that. And you see, the, the problem is it's not a transmission issue. I've got, I've got a, like, probably like you all, I've got radio in my car. And, and every station is transmitting nearly all the time. But I'm not receiving them because I'm not tuned to it. So that's why the secret place is so important. Because it takes time to tune to the spirit instead of the flesh. It takes time to tune to Jesus instead of just the busyness of the day. It takes time to receive from the Father instead of crowding everything out. God's got actually a lot to say. But we can't hear it very well until we're built up inside, until we've had our spiritual senses trained to hear it. And so 
being prepared to hear and see the voice of, of God and relate to him and have a real relationship to him with him is something that requires our time and requires our cooperation. Okay, so that, that's kind of the, the precursor. Now let me, let me read you this passage from uh, Matthew chapter 6. Um, I'm going to start at verse 1. Be very, I'm reading from the Amplified, but it's pretty much the same as you're going to hear. Be very careful not to do your good deeds publicly, to be seen by men. That's a bit like James was saying, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Otherwise, you don't get any reward with your Father who is in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor and do acts of kindness, don't blow a trumpet before you to advertise it as the hypocrites do, like actors acting out a role in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honoured and recognised and praised by men. I assure you, and most solemnly say to you, they already have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, that, that's, you can broaden that from the word to acts of kindness, good acts. When you give to the poor and do acts of kindness, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give in secrecy. So that your charitable acts will be done in secret and your father who sees what he's done in secret will then reward you. So there's a reward that goes with the things that take place in the secret place. Yeah? Also, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. That's people who have a lot to say about Jesus, but actually don't live it. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray publicly, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of streets, in order that they can be seen by men. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, they already have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your private room, the secret place, close the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't use meaningless repetition like the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard because of many words. So it's not so much about talking, it's about communicating. Yeah. You see, it's not volume of prayer and it's not quantity of prayer that moves God. It's faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. So do not be like them praying as they do, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Here's the thing. When you read Jesus' words, they're a lot stronger sometimes than we would like them to be. They're, they're pretty clear words about what it means to do good things for the wrong reasons and to do Christiany things in order for your own glory or in order to be seen in the applause of men. And it and it kind of weighs heavy on that because when I was praying about this and, and spending time with the Holy Spirit thinking and, and, and seeking his heart on this, he said, he said to me, I need that spirit out of my church. The spirit that wants to be seen by man. 
for the applause of men. Because it stops people seeing Jesus. And it broke my heart because so much of what we do and see and hear, it's just geared for the applause of men, to attract men. And Jesus, like this, the word that, that June brought at the start of the year, Jesus wants his church back. Jesus wants his church back. So let me just uh, unpack that passage for you. What Jesus is doing is he's trying to show there's a massive difference between doing things for the eyes of people and doing things for the eyes of God. So when, when he starts in verses 1 to 4, he's talking about good deeds. Not bad deeds, not evil deeds, even like churchy deeds. But there's a big difference between doing things for the eyes of people and for the eyes of God. If you do, so that, let's boil it down really simple. If you do things for the eyes of people, there is no reward now or in eternity. There's just more hard work. And he's talking about charitable deeds, loving deeds. So it's possible to do loving deeds and charitable deeds and good things and get no reward. Would you agree that that's what he's saying? So we need to be careful with our hearts about why we do what we do and our motives in doing them. See, God is a lot more concerned with our hearts than he is with our words. And so, you know, when you put that in a church context, one of the things that to look for in a leader or a preacher or a worship leader is how much do they care about the attention being on them? How much do they care about the attention being on them? When people want titles, when they want places, when they want positions, then that tells you that something is dead in their heart. It tells you that Jesus isn't enough for them. Because despite what they say, they don't really know him. Because if you really know Jesus, he'll always be enough for you. And I was uh, listening to a, a talk a couple of days ago, actually, and it was uh, uh, Francis Chan. How many of you come across Francis Chan? Yeah. And he was talking at Jesus Image Church. And what he, he was saying is, there's a spirit that's invaded the church in, in our generation that we've all got comfortable with and familiar with and think it's fine. And it's a spirit, he called it the spirit of divorce. But it's a spirit that attracts people to themselves. And what he's saying is that the church across the world is fragmenting into smaller and smaller groups. And, and that, that's not the spirit of God that is causing that. People drawing people to themselves is not the spirit of God. It's the spirit of the enemy. And the reason we can 
do that and we live like that and we act like that is we're deceived. And the problem about being deceived is you don't know you're deceived. You think you're right. You think you're great. You think you're amazing and you're not because you're deceived. But you don't know you aren't. <laughs> do you get it? Because <laughs> if you're deceived, you don't know it, you're deceived. And so I'm not saying that titles aren't appropriate. They're a good way, they're a proper way to honor people in a lot of circumstances. So you can use titles. People call me Pastor Mark. Can I, can I just say, I'm not a pastor. I, I, I'm a teacher, apostle type person. I'm not a pastor. I'm a church leader. So when you see at the bottom of the letters now, it, uh, emails from me, it doesn't say Pastor Mark. It says senior leader. Because it's important that we attach the right title to the right person because that's the gifting that God's put on their life. And so titles are okay. But the point that Jesus is making is if you need a title or a position or an award or your own group of people, then something in you needs to die because it's flesh. That's what Jesus is saying. And so when people come to me, you know, you get people, and we've all seen them over the years, they, they, they last about three weeks. Some of them last a bit longer, but usually about three weeks in faith life. And the minute they come through the door, they're telling us and you all about all the things that they've done for Jesus and how amazing they are and how much they know. And, you know, you, I, I, how do I get on worship team? How do I do this? How, 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 how can I, uh, you know, how do I get to speak? How do I get to say something? And, uh, you know, some of them even come and tell me how much they've given to other ministries. Like, okay, I'm not impressed. <laughs> that, that's, the point is motive. Yeah. You see, what's happening there is people are really, what they really care about is not, is this a way that I can connect more closely to Jesus? They connect about impressing us in order to get a place from which they can gather the applause of men. So Jesus is saying, is what you do to the glory of Jesus or to the glory of you? That's what he's saying in that first bit when he's talking about child now, just go with me on this one. Imagine, so get your imagining imaginers on. Imagine you give your whole life to doing some amazing things, good things, but for the wrong reason. You spend your whole life doing good things and none of it gets rewarded. See, that's what Jesus is trying to protect us from by saying these things. And then in verse 5 and 6, he starts to go on and he starts to talk about prayer. You see, this, the secret place, being with God, brings the encouragement of God into your heart. Yeah, I spent... An hour, now and a bit this morning, worshiping before the house was stirring. I was, was up at 
ten past six, I think it was, and I was worshipping, I had my cup of tea, and I, I was waiting, and, and it encourages me. It encourages me to, to come and feel like, you know, God's going to do some stuff in our hearts. The lesson that he's talking about, about people who want to be seen in public to be praying and not in the secret place and not, not where God is, is this, that if you live for the applause of men or to attract people to you, then you're running to a demonic agenda. Because he says the secret place is God's secret place. That's where God lives. That's where he dwells. So if you're not in that place, you're in the demonic place. There's only two kingdoms. And you don't want to be operating, bringing the spirit in because you're deceived. So that's why the secret place is really important. So when you, this isn't anything to do with what or anything like that or anything we might do around Easter, outreaches or anything like that. But when you stand on a street corner or down by the community center or anything you know, to pray and preach and you've done all that and then you post it all over Facebook and Instagram and, and so on or you hold a meeting and people come and you give a prayer and people come forward and then you put it all over so and so. The, all these things happen. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Start talking about Jesus and not about you. It's not your meeting. The, the goal isn't advertising to get people to come to your meetings and not somebody else's meetings. We, we need to understand that because there's, there's lots of stuff we've slipped into as believers that are demonic agendas. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how we do it. You see... How many of you get advertising through social media and stuff like that? Advertising other churches, Christmas services, or what they're doing, or their meetings, and all that sort of thing. How many of you get that? You all get it if you've got the word Christian and Cambridge on there. So what we're doing is we're marketing to existing Christians, not non-believers. Let's, let's be real about this. Why do we do that? To get them to come to our meeting and leave behind their own meeting so that we can grow. Guys, we have to break this spirit that is in the church. We have to not be like that. We, we, we can't be doing paid advertising in order to target people in other churches to come to our church. This is so far from Jesus. And I tell you that because it's so easy to slip into it, isn't it? Yeah. Because we all want more people to come. We want, I want people to come here and hear a pure, uncompromised gospel of Jesus that calls us back to him to die to self and live for Christ. Yeah. But I'm not prepared to do what Others might do, which is to advertise it and push it and draw people to myself in order to get them to come here instead of one somebody else's church who's a pastor friend of mine. Yeah. It's just of the wrong spirit. Yeah. 
See, why do we do what we do? Is it because we want the attention of God or is it because we want the attention of men? You know when Jesus says, he says, you know, play in secret and not out loud and all that sort of... He's not saying don't pray out loud. So I'm kind of hoping this evening we don't have a silent meeting. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about when you do something in order to be seen by others to be doing it. And he's saying there's no reward for that. However fervently you do it, there's no reward for it. And then he says, but you, but you. They're, they're always good words from Jesus. So he's talking to us now. He's talking to you right now. But you, you, my people, my Jesus people, my disciples, pray to the Father in the secret place. Because it's what happens in the secret place that will sustain you, not what happens in the public place. You know, it, it's so important that we gather corporately and consistently corporately. But just gathering corporately isn't enough. Yeah. I mean, some people have kind of half-heartedly only gather corporately. And I'm saying, actually, if you were here every week, that's not enough yeah. for the commitment that Jesus is asking of us. Because what he's asking of us is relationship with him. And the corporate gathering is important in that, but he's never the whole of that. If we, if you want the things that we're after here, if you want the anointing of God to rest on your life and you want to see more of the power of God in your life and die to self more then you won't just get that by coming on a Sunday you'll have to come on a Sunday and then you'll have to encounter Jesus in the secret place too Because if you want the DNA of Jesus to be inside you, that comes from behind the closed door. That comes from my man cave, which is currently full of boxes with Christmas trees in them, <laughs> waiting to go up in the loft when it gets bawdy tomorrow. My, my communication time has had a bit of an interruption. I've had to lie on cold, hard floors in the annex with no heating on. Because your Christmas trees are there. <laughs> I just mentioned that in passing. <laughs> so, the, the, the real message in this, so if you write this down, if you don't get this, then I've kind of wasted what I'm talking about. You must build a value in your life for the secret place with Christ. So write down, I must build a value in my life for the secret place with Christ. Now let me tell you in kind of finishing off why that would be. 
I'm going to give you five good reasons why that would be. But let's just repeat that. I want you, I, I, I must build a value in my life for the secret place with Christ. I probably said it slightly differently there, didn't I? But you get the point. Yeah? So, what's going to happen in that secret place according to Jesus? In that secret place, you will find your true identity. That's number one. Good counting, Roger. The next one will be two. Number one, you, you will find your identity, your true identity in the secret place. It, it's kind of, it's in that place. And having been on this journey for, I guess, coming up to two years now, since God really started talking to me about recentering church back onto Jesus and knowing him. In that secret place, you discover that he'll never turn you away. That he'll always be there for you. Because you're adopted into his family. No, that's number one still, Roger. And, it, and, it's, and it's in that place you discover some things in the Bible that we know but become reality. That you can approach the throne of grace with boldness to find the grace you need when you've messed up. And in that secret place, this, is a, this, is a, this has been the best thing for me. You discover that the Father actually wants you there. He desires you to be there. He, he rejoices and loves it when you're there. And then you'll discover not only that he wants you there, but he's there. And he wants to share his heart with you. Because you're a son or daughter of the living God. And he wants us to treat us as his children. So that's number one. Number two. In the secret place, you will find the right perspective. So many of our Worries and anxieties and problems are caused by us having the wrong perspective. When you're with him, your view is different. Because you can see him. And in him you can see everything you need. And everything you want. There's this strange thing that kind of happens when you connect in prayer. It's almost like you're lifted up and you're given like this helicopter view of your problems. And then he turns around and says, see, I'm above them all. I'm looking down on them. And I can show you the path through. I can show you the path out. I can show you the way to go. Look there. There's the treasure. Number three. You find the presence of God 
he's real in the secret place. You know, this isn't, and I'm not trying to overemphasize, this isn't every time, this is sometimes. But sometimes, my little man cave is so full of the presence of Jesus, I, I kind of get a bit concerned, how can I fit in? It's like heavy. And seems to fill the room. You know, we were uh, driving back from Linton last night and we we got to um, just past Babraham Institute and you couldn't see a thing. Just couldn't see a thing. Like, I've never been in freezing fog that thick. I ju- you just, like, however you had the lights, fog lights or whatever, it was about two yards visibility maximum. And the presence of God can, can be that real. We, we've got our first drawing near on Tuesday, the Cambridge one, and Sarah's got her first uh, Papworth drawing near on Wednesday. And, but Dennis and June, because Dennis and June are keen, they started first. <laughs> and... Uh, they, so they had this on Thursday. So they know this verse inside out. But in John, uh, 1 John, it says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. We're the ones who determine the extent of the presence and reality of God in our life. And it's that lack of drawing near that causes God to seem so distant. So he, we find his presence in the secret place. That's how we draw near. Sorry, it's not John. It's James. James 4, verse 8. James 4, verse 8. See, got there before you corrected me, Dennis. We're all right. (laughs) Number four. You'll find direction in the secret place. (laughs) You know, the number of programs that get run about finding your destiny and being your best version of you and your best having your best life now. You know, there's a, there's a, a, a website from uh, another Christian organization. And, it's a, and on, you, you open up their website and the first thing it says is, we'll show you how to, how to have your best life now. That's not the gospel, guys. The gospel is, I died. I'm dead. Jesus lives in me. My best life is for it to be entirely Jesus. And we need to understand these things. That it's not about having some great destiny that somehow we discover after 86 steps. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to release you into your destiny. He said, follow me. Walk behind me and I'll show you where we're going. He never told the disciples the end till he was about to die. And he said, oh, by the way, guys, following me, you're all going to die. Because if you take up the same cross as I have, this is where it ends. 
Because the world will hate you like it hated me. And in the secret place is where we find the ability to deal with the world hating us. You know, um, the word of God itself says, my word is a lamp unto your feet. So that's how we follow him. We, we seek to walk in the word. So that we abide in him and his word abides in us. So that we live by his word. Not by our ideas or just getting on with life. We live by his word. That's what a believer does. That's what Jesus said. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. I talked about this at one thing last week. And my words abide in you. Then you are truly my disciples. And you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Here's the thing. You abide in him and his word abides in you. You live by his word. Then you're truly his disciple. Not abiding in him and not living our life by his word, we're not truly his disciples. Yeah. We might have conf confused ourselves because we do church but we're not truly his disciples. Disciples live by his word. Yeah. And sometimes we have, you know, getting that direction, we'll have to have a course correction. So we have to deal with some stuff. But the Holy Spirit will tell you what stuff to deal with. He'll convict you. And that's really good news. Because when the Holy Spirit convicts you, he also releases the power to fix the problem. He doesn't convict you and leave you to it. He'll, release the, he'll empower you to deal with the problem in your life. So that's number four. Last one, number five. Similar to number four. You get wisdom. Wisdom does not come with yours. It just doesn't. I know some very wise 20-somethings. I know some very stupid 80-somethings <laughs> who aren't in this room. Just, just point that out. <laughs> Wisdom comes from being in the presence of wisdom. Jesus is wisdom. The Bible says he's wisdom. It says, in all you're getting, get understanding, get wisdom, get Jesus. You see, how does the enemy get us in such a mess and deceive us so easily? Because he gets us to think that knowledge and information and intellect equals wisdom. Here's the problem. Nobody on this earth is cleverer than Satan. He knows the Bible inside out. He's had 2,000 years to read it since he realized he'd made the mistake of not reading it properly <laughs> and seeing what was coming. He has all the intellect. He runs the agendas in our intellectual centers and our creative arts 
and all that sort of stuff. And he's very, very wily. He's very, very shifty. He'll outmaneuver you. But here's what he doesn't have. He doesn't have wisdom. So we go to the source of wisdom. And that trumps all the wiles of the enemy. Where's that? We go to Jesus. Where do we find Jesus? We find him in the secret place. 2023, the year of reset back to Jesus and commitment to him. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. So next time you're looking at something enviously, you just have to hope that the Pet Shop Boys It's a Sin doesn't play at the time. (laughs) All that it does. So Father, we thank you. We thank you that you cared so much about us that you sent your son. That you gave us your word so that we might understand what it means to follow you and walking your ways. And you gave us your spirit to empower us to walk in those ways. Yeah. And to see every promise over which you have said yes and amen. Through the price that Jesus paid. So we thank you for that Jesus. And we praise you and we glorify you. And Jesus, I just want to say I choose you. I choose you above everything, beyond everything and over everything. That you would live your life through me. Seeking only the face of Jesus and not the applause of men. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So is that helpful? Yes. Good, because it was kind of a, a precious one. Um, that, you know, God's talked to me a lot about. We, we've got to be truly his disciples. You know, we've got to do things because it's him. Yeah. That's all evil and reward. Amen. So... One week left of prayer and fasting. Boo. Boo. Oh, Roger wants to do more. We'll let Roger, should we let Roger do more? Let, put Roger on 31 days? I'm not doing extra videos for you, though. <laughs> anyway, tea, coffee at the back.